0: Leading the way with Dr. Michael Youssef, equipping us to grow into a deeper walk with Christ. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. A challenging conversation today as we discover what the latest research shows about contemporary Christians and all Aussies in some sense here, and how we make moral and ethical judgments. In the 21st century, we consider ourselves enlightened and educated. Christians are even devoted to our faith, but how are our judgments blurred living in a secular society? We might be concerned that the findings of the new research show that Australians have decided who should answer the ethical questions of the technological age. And it's not what we might think. Well, our special guest today says we might be concerned that technology, and there's uh, some of the research around this particular question, questions around driverless vehicles that can make life or death decisions. And it's the programmers who are ultimately the ones who choose. Now, it appears that even Christians are turning to scientific and medical communities as the new gold standard. Of course, they're important, but ought they be the gold standard? Well, an opportunity to talk about the changes that are happening with Dr. Lindsay McMillan, OAM, the co-founder of the not-for-profit think tank Main Street Insights. It's a not-for-profit organisation which was created to solely capture the public attitudes of the Australian people. Lindsay McMillan, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's uh, good to be with you and with your listeners. Uh, Lindsay, let's talk about the research that was done. Of course, uh, you're co-founder of Main Street Insights and co-founder, along with uh, with Mark McCrindle, and uh, so great research gone into this. Uh, give us a, an insight here into this latest research.
1: Um, thank you, Neil. I think this is a really important piece of research that we ask the Australian population about what are the big issues for them around decision making about the key issues of life and who should be the decision makers that, as a community, we respect and listen to, listen to. Um, What we did find, for instance, that there were four out of five Australians really feel concerned about uh, driverless vehicles. We found that nine in 10 Australians care about the ethical issues that uh, concern us. And we also noted that the whole way in which we understand what is right or wrong, there is a shift in, as you said in your introduction, the shift into, well, who do we trust? And it is about trust. So I think the the, the big issue that we can uh, discuss this morning is around the ethical considerations of who makes the decisions in our community on the big issues of life. Uh, and that's around artificial intelligence. It's around um, scientific and medical decisions. It's around where do we as Christians fit into those decisions? Um, and probably it's worth just getting a headline around what do we mean by ethical considerations or ethics? And probably the, the most simplest form of definition would be: these are a kind of these are the moral principles that govern our behaviours and the way we live. So, I think this big shift historically is that in the past the what. Guided. These moral principles were very much centred on Judeo-Christian principles, and we as believers would believe that out of the uh, scriptures, our guidance and moral behaviours are guided firmly by what uh, is in the scriptures. But there's a shift in our community, Australian community, and that no longer is the case. So the moral judgments of right or wrong, our behaviours of right or wrong, our ethical considerations of what it means to be an Australian living in an Australian community with all the shifts and turns about the way you live and act and understand and deal with technology and uh, alike. I think we're now at a formidable time of, as you said in your introduction, as to where do we as believers fit into that?
0: Well, the interesting thing here is times are changing. And when we start to talk about this sort of dimension, uh, we can start to see clearly what happens when those Christian morals, those Christian ethics begin to disappear from the public debate. And that should be a concern for all of us. I mean, there is a sense here, isn't there? And uh, the idea of overlooking the ethicists who might be able to give us insights into right and wrong in favour of a more science-based approach. It makes me think, uh, you know, that terminology that we'll hear so often these days, the science is in. Uh, gives us some sort of indication that uh, people are pointing to what should be the gold standard here, but overlooking ethicists. Now, ethicists usually have the big picture, don't they, Lindsay?
1: Well, in the past they do, and in the past we relied heavily upon clergy and uh, people have, uh, trusted who were trusted in our community, but that no longer is the case. And um, the, the question, I guess, Neil, is where are the champions Uh, Where are the Christian leaders today? Where do we as individual Christians of today, where do we stand up with our hand on our heart and say we believe from an ethical position that uh, there is a particular issue that we should uphold in terms of what is right and what is wrong? And we can dig into some of the detail of that as we uh, work through the research this morning.
0: Uh, It's all very well to talk about moralising. It's whose morals you're talking about here. So when we are Christians, Lindsay, uh, there's a certain basis for our moralising, and that moralising, of course, comes to a biblical foundation, and so we've got a timeless godly standard that we'll want to stand for uh, even as we reflect on times past and we reflect on things of the future so but this idea of moralizing if you if you go and uh, if you let go of that foundation a biblical foundation then you're off with all sorts of untested uh, or even bad ways of moralizing what are your thoughts about uh, you know different standards of moralizing here
1: Well, I think that's important. Uh, I think that's an important observation, Neil. I think what's key here is that in the past it was very clear. We were very much a strong Christian society. Uh, We knew that the Bible uh, was a firm foundation upon which we as Christians believe uh, is the right and wrong in terms of our our community and uh, individual behaviour. And today, within the secular society, as you indicated in your interaction those areas of decision-making around what is right and what is wrong has now been blurred. For instance, only 12%, one in nine people uh, that we interviewed believe that religious leaders should have a role in making decisions these days, which I have to say is a concern given that historically they would be at the top of the trusted community people that the Australian population would regard as decision makers and leaders in terms of providing that ethical um, leadership as to uh, providing what is right, what is wrong, what are our moral precepts upon which we should be listening to based on scripture. Uh, But today that's now become much more focused around medical people who are standing up to be uh, the leaders of uh, ethical positions and uh, I think that largely has come out of our experience over the last 12 months with COVID so this research is very current so I guess that we would expect that to be the case.
0: Uh, Lindsay, let's come back to that example I mentioned in the introduction around the smart technology in modern cars. Now, this just, I guess, provides a wonderful example of how things are changing here. Uh, you've done some research here with Main Street Insights, and uh, one of the questions you were asking around this issue of morality and uh, who's programming the cars to decide life and death issues, uh, give us some insight here into into how Australians responded to that question.
1: Well, we asked Australians specifically, were they concerned uh, about autonomous vehicles? And 83% of Australians indicated that they were concerned about that. But let me give you a, a true practical example of this in two stories. One is that I saw this week, just this week, that two are dead after driverless Tesla car crashes. So I'll read, I'll read the uh, news release here. Two men in the Tesla car, believed to have been driverless, were killed in the U.S. today when their vehicle crashed into a tree and burst into flames. It then goes on to describe what happened. Now, let me just so that's the first indication. That's as of this week. The second story that i just like to relate to you is that two years ago, I was sitting in a room with uh, 12 people from the Gordon-Conwell Seminary who were doing a Doctorate of Ministry on Ethical Leadership. And we were in a room at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT in Boston, which is a leading uh, institution around all things AI, artificial intelligence. And the leader of the artificial intelligence group spent a day with us and he said this, and this is the powerful story. He said the reality is that artificial intelligence is moving at such a rate but the ethical considerations are lagging. He then pointed to the people in that room who were doing doctoral of ministry uh, programs on ethical leadership and he said, it is up to you to provide the ethical position as to where we should be going with artificial intelligence. So it is not surprising that, that the technology is moving at such a rate, but again, it comes back to the ethical decision makers. Who's making those decisions ethically and what's right or wrong? Um, We have a a range of other matters that are concerning us around um, genomic technology in farming, for instance. Uh, What's that mean in terms of ethical considerations? So there's some interesting developments that are occurring around all things artificial intelligence. And again, it says that we are at a point of time, Neil, where I think we as Christians need to actually get a position and start to say, this is the right and wrong from our position as based on scripture.
0: Is it true here, Lindsay, that while there's going to be water cooler conversations and uh, ordinary Christian believers have a big role to play in that in workplaces and in communities, But it is going to be Christian believers who are going to bite the bullet and uh, undertake some higher levels of study so they can be appropriately qualified to speak into these areas. When we're talking about artificial technology, uh, clearly uh, any sort of level of higher technology is going to take some level of expertise. What are your thoughts for Christians and the sorts of choices they might make in some higher education so that they can can make a contribution in this area?
1: Well, I think, again, it's... It's an important generational consideration. I think that uh, um, we need to actually start to identify champions, Christian champions, who do have the power of uh, a voice to be able to speak into the community and be able to uh, be part of uh, higher education organisations who should feel confident and blessed in a way that says, this is my calling to actually, as a... as a Christian, speak into the education of future generations and to provide an ethical consideration uh, in studies. And uh, uh, our research indicates that while uh, 91% of Australians care about the ethical issues, um, what we didn't find in our research is, uh, so what's next? And we didn't ask that question, but I think what this research has shown is there a, it raises a lot of questions in the Australian community and we as believers need to actually start to think about where do we stand in terms of your point around higher education? Where do we stand in terms of what is our position around artificial intelligence? What is our position about driverless cars? What is our position about the current uh, medical considerations that are moving at a much faster rate than the ethical considerations of what's right or wrong. And there's a number of issues that come up in terms of medicine
0: as well. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. Wonderful to have you along with us on this Wednesday edition of 2020. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You can respond to our Facebook question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Our special guest is Dr. Lindsay McMillan, OAM, the co-founder of the think tank Main Street Insights. Uh, Lindsay, let's talk some more about artificial intelligence and how that works because uh, obviously there's going to be some uh, who are not going to be very familiar with how all that uh, works, so algorithms and such things. Uh, What is this idea when artificial intelligence Actually, makes its decisions. It's based on a whole lot of information coming together all at once. What are your understandings about artificial intelligence and algorithmic bias?
1: Um, let, let me start with our research, and then I'll tell you a story—that uh, a personal story that may be uh, illustrative of this. There's no doubt that our research, uh, when we asked Australians, were they concerned about the increase uh, of artificial intelligence? There was a, a high degree of concern about that. So. Underlying, again, within the Australian community, there is a concern about the the advancements that we have in technology to the degree that uh, we have moving at such a fast rate. So artificial intelligence or machine learning is where the uh, details within the uh, algorithms or the programming within a computer program actually learns from each other. Uh, of what's happening and it self-learns. And let me give you a couple of stories that may illustrate this. I was uh, in, a, uh, in New York some time ago and I was talking with two investors who had invested into some artificial intelligence programs, health programs, and uh, they, one of them was telling me that he lives in Silicon Valley and he and his wife had booked a driverless car to take them to a restaurant. The driverless car picked them up and then it drove over a speed hump on their road and it went at such a fast rate that it bounced the two occupants in the car. They then went to another, drove to another speed hump and it slowed down marginally. And then there was a third speed hump and by the time it got to the third speed hump, it slowed down, stopped, and then went over the uh, speed hump and then travelled on. Now, the question there is, so why? Did, how did that happen? Well, what happened there was that the artificial intelligence that was programmed into that car that learned from what is a speed hump from all other driverless cars in Silicon Valley, that when you see a bump in the road, you slow down. So it actually learned how to drive over those speed humps. So what occurred, therefore, is that's a very good example of what artificial intelligence or machine learning is all about. Uh, the other story that I would offer is um, is, the, is my own story where I've got a cable television and it wasn't working. So I rang a 1-800 number I had a voice that then said to me, uh, tell me what your problem is. I then told them what the problem is. They said, well, why don't you, and this is the language, why don't you start your setup box, turn it off, turn it on again, and then it said, and then uh, come back to me, I will wait. So I went across, uh, reset my set box time, A box came back, and I said, I have done that. The voice then said to me, "Um, does it now work? And I said, I'll have to wait. And the voice said, well, I will wait too. And it actually solved the problem. Now, what happened there, which I think is important to this conversation, is that was an artificial voice. It actually responded to my language. It did not sound like an artificial voice. And it actually learned from previous people who had called up how to deal with the language that I actually sent down the telephone. Now, the scary part about that is that that's actually all artificial and it's machine learning. So the bias there is causes me to be reflective, and I think this is part of the research element that I think is worth just considering. What all of this research does is I think it calls us to be reflective as Christians as to what are the implications of those two stories.
0: Wow. Uh, What's it mean for us? These are deep questions and ones that we need to think through. And uh, I believe listeners uh, to our conversation today, listening on for uh, the next 40 minutes or so as we are able to continue this conversation uh, might get a deeper perspective on some of those things. I do want to invite listeners to call in on 1-800-316-316. Talkback line is open. You can also respond to that Facebook question. But, Lindsay, let's take a call. Jonathan is in Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along. Yeah, hello, Neil. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Uh, exactly.
1: Uh, yeah, what I listen to that guy is, uh, you know, especially for us when we're in Africa, when you hear somebody say television, computer, say this, we thought it was really accurate. But when I begin to get involved in computer and to uh, progress everything, uh, I, I, I begin to understand the secret behind computer. So what you are saying is that. Uh, if you have a wrong foundation or people dealing with things, program computer, this and that, if they have the wrong concept, wrong belief, they will put wrong thing in the computer and the system will follow it and destroy us. So I don't think somebody will fool me that the program computer they will do this and that to be perfect. No, no perfection in humanity. So I don't believe in computer.
0: Jonathan, good thoughts there. Let's get a thought or two here from Lindsay around this idea of the people who are programming the computers and if you come from a wrong foundation, uh, the computer ultimately will destroy us. What are your thoughts for Jonathan?
1: I think uh, let's be very clear about this. Uh, Computers are a tool. They should not be the master and uh, anybody uh, who can... who uh, Users of computer today should constantly just reflect on the fact that a computer is and should be the tool to add, the, add to the way we live. There are many um, wonderful contributions that computers have made to lifestyle and to uh, people with disabilities and to uh, medicine and to the way we live. So we, we shouldn't uh, immediately say all computers are bad but again, as Christians, we just need to understand that uh, they are simply a tool for us. They should not be directing us. They should not be controlling us. And uh, there's no doubt that uh, we there are some people in our community and around the world who are doing bad things on computers. And we need to be very cautious about that.
0: Okay, thank you so much to Jonathan from Perth for your insight today. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Uh, some will say, Lindsay, the genie is out of the bottle, to use a certain uh, metaphor to talk about these sorts of things, and uh, have we actually begun the journey of relinquishing this responsibility we have, uh, even for moral decision-making, to these machines?
1: Um, I... Oh, that's a powerful question. Now, I am not sure I can necessarily answer that. I think there is no doubt that computers are here to stay. They will uh, be here for us forever. Um, I think that we need to discriminate in their use as Christians. We need to be careful that we don't. Uh, they don't. Take over our lives. Uh, On previous conversations we've had on this uh, talkback is has been around the use of screen time for children through through COVID. Uh, We need to uh, be very careful that uh, uh, while the genie of computers and artificial intelligence and machine learning and uh, the future of uh, uh, where we're going. should be very carefully managed as believers. And uh, I think, we uh, again, comes back to who are the people that we can trust who are providing, providing these moral and ethical considerations.
0: So if we talk about machines taking over control, and, uh, you know, there are all sorts of conspiracy theories that might come to mind of machines taking over the whole world, there ought to be perhaps what we could say when we say that word fears, uh, doesn't mean necessarily we're trembling, but there's a certain healthy fear, which is a concern type of a fear that these things are developing. And I imagine that there's probably a healthy way of looking at it if you if you have that sort of uh, that sort of uh, healthy fear. is that would that be the case, Lindsay? do you think?
1: Absolutely, I think we it needs to have a we we need to have a mature approach to this. Uh, as Christians, we need to uh, ensure that uh, the high ethical considerations, and again coming back to the ethical considerations, is around what's right and wrong, and what's good and bad, what's evil and just. Um, I think the Gospels are very clear about uh, providing us a framework upon which we make some judgments about how do we live with. Uh, A modern computer age that we live in. Uh, There's no doubt about that, but uh, we do have a firm foundation as Christians as to how should we live. And uh, I I think the Gospels are very clear about that. Uh, So I don't think we should feel overwhelmed by the uh, introduction of computers. I think we should feel that they are just uh, an adjunct to the lifestyle that we call to.
0: Lindsay McMillan, let's talk about this issue of trust. Uh, the idea, you know, who do we trust? Uh, scientists and doctors, as you mentioned in the last uh, beginning of our conversation. Uh, what are your thoughts on trust?
1: Uh, I think trust is a really important issue because uh, unless we feel that we are trusted as individuals, uh, then things go awry. Uh, our research found that the Australian population basically is trusting scientists and doctors as key trusted people these days, which is not surprising given that uh, we've just come out of COVID. Uh, We've just come out of um, institutional challenges around the institutional church, around child abuse. We've come out of royal commissions around uh, aged care. We've come out of royal commissions around and the way companies are are managed. So there are a number of issues in the Australian community that focus upon who can we trust. And our research found that scientists and doctors are the key trusted people in our community at present. So I, I guess coming out of COVID, it's not surprising, but as Christians... Is that what we want? That's the big question. And the other question that for us as a Christian organization that we ask is, so is that where we should land to get our moral and ethical positioning? Well, clearly, uh, unless they're Christian scientists or Christian doctors, um, that's probably not what we would want. But again, your listeners, listeners may have a different view on that.
0: Lindsay, you had really more direct questions about this idea of trust, and uh, I'm wondering whether you're surprised that religious leaders uh, came out in the lowest levels of trust. Uh, and of course, you got scientists and doctors at the top. What were your thoughts when that sort of you know, information, that sort of finding was coming forth in the research you were doing?
1: Uh, Well, we weren't surprised that um, clergy and religious leaders uh, were down the list. Um, I think that we as Christians have got some way to go to build trust again in the community um, that actually leads us to um, regarding uh, our our Christian leaders as uh, people that are trustworthy. Um, I think we've got a way to go there.
0: Of course, when we talk about traditional influences, uh, people who were philosophers and people who were ethicists, uh, people who were uh, coming out of what we might even say a Christianized society, uh, holding those biblical ethics that have shaped the society that we, uh, certainly here in Australia, have been a part of, uh, but those influences are not necessarily being looked to either, whether they're called religious or whether they're called non-religious.
1: Well, that's true. I think uh, historically we always saw our religious leaders as key. We saw uh, when I say key, leading the, uh, the conversation and the debate around ethical positions. Uh, we also saw that uh, politicians also had this role as well but again, they've fallen down the list. Um, I, I think that uh, we've got a way to go here. We need to repair the trust and community standing of uh, of key people in our community. So uh, as Christians, I think, again, we're in the position now of building trust, again, within the community and uh, start to ask those questions and be prepared to address them.
0: I imagine servanthood is going to be important in that, but we won't go off on that tangent. Uh, but that idea of repairing trust Uh, And uh, community standing is going to be an important element uh, for Christian leaders who will stand up and be able to have their say and be credible. Because in order to stand up and have your say, you've got to uh, fight for a position to be heard. And uh, that idea of having some level of courage in there is going to be an important element too, Lindsay.
1: Well, I think courage is an important consideration and um, the Old Testament talks a lot about courage. Um, I think the fact that the media is cynical about religious leaders is, is something that uh, uh, we need to be thoughtful about. I think we need to be prayerful about finding the right the, uh, Christian leaders who can stand and have a position, an ethical position on matters and have a credibility that, uh, non-believing people can actually say well yes that what he or she has just said makes sense to me and uh, uh, we've got a journey now we start we need to start this journey and we need to be very supportive and prayerful of people who are wanting to stand up and uh, be heard on such important issues that we're talking about this morning.
0: Well, our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 and you can respond to our Facebook question today that asks, in an age of advancement, are you comfortable with computers deciding what is right and wrong? Let me reflect a few of the thoughts here and we might pick up on on one or two of those. Uh, Stanley says, no, a computer is a servant. It is an electrical device. It does not. And cannot have the reasoning power that God gifted us with. So there's an interesting element there in the uh, reasoning power and machine learning. They're a little bit different, aren't they, Lindsay? Any thoughts on on that for Stanley?
1: Um, again, it comes back to my uh, day that I spent at MIT in Boston, where the people who were building artificial intelligence and machine said that we within the and he's pointing to the people in the room who are Christians you need to step up and uh, uh, begin to have an ethical position on all of these advancements Uh, I think Stanley is right Uh, the the computer is simply a tool it is a servant and uh, again we need to stand and hold firm to the faith that uh, that's the position Uh, but At the same time, we need to understand that the world is moving at a very, very fast rate. And uh, again, it comes back to your previous question, Neil, around how do we actually build confidence and courage in uh, in Christians who are prepared to actually make a statement about the ethical considerations about uh, the use of computers, the use of
0: uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Let me reflect another comment or two. Uh, Carolyn says, how many true Christians would be in these positions who hold to biblical truths and principles to program these computers to give us godly intelligence and advice? A second point that Carolyn makes is uh, this. uh, so, uh, So she says, is this how computer systems can be rigged To steal votes in an election. Now, there's there's a couple of big ones in that, but uh, let's start with that first one. There, Uh, the idea, uh, you know, how many uh, Christians are in who are understanding biblical truths are in a position to program those computers. So it's not just people studying ethics and philosophy and theology, but people who are studying how to program computers are going to be important as to their ethics and how they uh, how they apply themselves to their profession. Uh, What are your thoughts for Carolyn here?
1: I think Carolyn is very wise. I think that's a very wise comment. Uh, I think that uh, we need to pray for uh, young people to be who see this as their calling to actually go into a profession like Carolyn's suggesting in terms of programming, uh, and it is valid to see this as a calling to uh, uh, see this as a God gifts people. God gives people to actually become programmers uh, as as part of the creation of being creative and uh, for them to be able to do programming I think we need to pray for people to actually see this as a calling so I I think Carolyn's right about that Um, but we need to encourage younger people to actually step into this and not see this as just a job but rather as a calling.
0: And uh, very controversial, but very current, uh, what Carolyn suggests in the second part of her comment there, is this how computer systems can be rigged to steal votes in an election? Now, Uh, Here we go again with the ethics of people who are writing this programming and uh, helping machines to learn as to how they might be used for either a good purpose or a nefarious purpose. And uh, these sorts of things, uh, no doubt, uh, could be happening around the world. Any thoughts on that particular perspective?
1: (laughs) Um, I really like Carolyn's first point. Um, I'm a social commentator. I'm a researcher. Uh, I'm not sure I want to enter into that that particular observation that she would make, but well done, Carolyn. Uh,
0: The interesting thing that comes out of uh, Carolyn's comment there is this issue of integrity, though, and uh, Mm -hmm. there are some who will apply their integrity to their profession in making these programs work and others uh, who won't uh, have any sort of bounds to their integrity. And there is a certain sense in which these Christian ethics that we might talk about create boundaries to our integrity that mean we want the good of our fellow human beings. And there is something very important there in the Christian ethic as it's applied because uh, this sort of integrity and this love for one another doesn't happen in just a, in, in just every philosophy, does it?
1: Well, no, it doesn't. But I, I, uh, again, let's not just isolate this to our conversation this morning. The fact is that that operates in all aspects of life where we're confronted day by day with people who are non-believers and we as believers need to ensure that we uphold gospel principles in our relationships and our behaviours and our professions and our uh, programming of uh, uh, computers and, not, and driving uh, down the street and all of those kinds of aspects of life. Um, and we need to, as Christians, always be ethical and uh, display courage and integrity and credibility and uh uh, concern for our fellow Australians uh,
0: Well there's one question on our Facebook page today uh, in fact it's uh, it's uh, more of a comment but Ant says uh, we can fix the problem just turn the power off at least we may have uh, one uh, uh, solution there at our fingertips uh, what are your thoughts for that idea?
1: Well that, that came up in our previous research about the use of screen time during COVID and um, and the reality is human behavior is, uh, is something that has always been challenging through the ages. Uh, the fact is that there is something about the use of computers that can become addictive. We know social media can become addictive. We know that screen time for children can become addictive. Uh, the reality of life, not only for Christians but for non-Christians, is we need to be decisive. We need to see the good in what we're trying to do. We need to see the power of family. We need to see the power of relationships. And uh, we simply need to be better decision makers than saying enough's enough. Let's turn off the computer and sit down and share a meal together. Or let's uh, turn off the computer and let's go for a walk. Uh, in principle, he's right. Uh, we just need to act on it.
0: Okay, let me just reflect uh, one or two quick comments, uh, because there's some things we want to uh, uh, conclude with our conversation. But Leo says, uh, what do you guys think about Asimov's law of robotics? I'm not sure whether that's your area of expertise. Uh, Do you know anything about that at all, Lindsay?
1: Marginally, and I'm not necessarily sure I would uh, call on that uh, other than simply say I'm familiar with the power of robotics within medicine and I'd have to say there is something very powerful about uh, the use of robotics that are now so precise that uh, there, there are medical advancements through the use of robotics that we would have to applaud.
0: And Stuart says, no, not at all to our Facebook question today. Only the lazy and easily led people will be okay with this form of enslavement. Uh, Stuart, not holding back there.
1: Uh, Again, I think it comes to the previous comment about uh, just have the power to turn it off. Uh, That's true. I think the other observation I would make, Neil, is that as Christians, we need to just have the eyes of Christ in the way we view all of this conversation around robotics, around artificial intelligence, around uh, um, the way in which we, we view the advancement of technology. I think we just need to not be consumed by it or but see it through the eyes of Christ. What does this mean in terms of the way we behave, the way we operate? the way we relate to one another, the way we conduct church, the way we do family, and the way we use our screens day by day.
0: Lindsay, the idea of turn it off might be the ultimate defensive position, but it's not proactive and it doesn't get involved in engaging with the issues. And as we've been talking through this hour, there's been a big shift in Australian society and people are now seeing the evidence of what it is to move into a secularised culture. Uh, and the decisions that are being made affect the entire society. Now, back to your research for a moment here, because your research has found that Australians are worried by what's happening and they do want a voice at the table. Uh, what table are we talking about here? And uh, can you give us some reflection here on how Aussies actually don't want to be controlled by all of this? We want to have a voice in what's happening.
1: Well, that's true. I think the... uh, the, And you're right, let's... uh, A large percentage of those that we interviewed said that uh, in our research that they want to be involved in helping make these decisions er, uh, ethically, so it's around the right and wrongs, of what's occurring around the advancement around technology. Um, That's a very good question, Neil, as to what, what are the tables. I think that from within a Christian worldview, the table would be what do I, within my social connections around church, my Christian community, do we ever talk about this? Do we ever ask the question, are we happy with the advancement and what is our position as Christians? So let's just start with family, let's start with church, let's start with our small group if we're part of a small group community. Let's pray that uh, God will raise up uh, Christians within the Australian community who will become recognised as Christian ethicists uh, who are prepared to actually take a stand on behalf of Christ on a wider Christian worldview around some of these important issues we've been discussing this morning.
0: And sometimes we think of Christian biblical ethics as being, uh, sometimes we're looking for something that's quite simplistic. And what we're discovering in this conversation today, I think, Lindsay, is that we're sometimes not being scientific enough uh, in applying those biblical ethics. There's a need there to actually dig deeper and to uh, get into these areas of uh, more advanced learning so that we can contribute around that table, whatever that table might be, whether it's happening in the home or or in the workplace, or in the wider community. Let me ask you too, uh, because there's some difference here in your research as to uh, what women and men think about these sorts of things. Any thoughts here on, on the differences between the genders, on, on how we think about these issues? Um,
1: good question. Our research actually identified that women are more concerned about some of the advancements than men, Um while we appreciate that that's the case, I think that uh, what that says is that uh, women are more thoughtful about these kind of things as the implications that they may have upon family than men, uh, males at least. Um, in some respect, it wasn't surprising because in other aspects of life, we know that uh, women are concerned about uh, the way community and family are uh, Uh, been undertaken uh, and uh, uh, but what I think we found in that research is that this amplified the fact that uh, Australian women are more concerned than men about these advancements and the implications that it may that they may have for them as women and I guess intuitively for their immediately surrounding relationships
0: it occurs to me that when you say you know you can start conversations about this in your local church and uh, as you're indicating there women are sometimes more in, uh, impressed to talk about these things than men but uh, you want these yeah. sorts of conversations to get underway and some people will say well you know do i have to get well qualified before i can lead a conversation like this i imagine that uh, your some of your research because you present it in such a way that it's easy to consume, easy to talk about. Uh, when people go to your Main Street Insights website, uh, some of these sorts of things are easily downloadable and uh, good conversation starters when you're getting together with friends and family and in your wider community. Is that the way you, you're trying to work with uh, with some of the, the findings in your Main Street Insights?
1: Well, that's certainly the direction I would uh, ask people to go to. Uh, and also I would just like to leave you with a thought John Stott, the Reverend John Stott, who is a, a world-renowned uh, person who I admire greatly. Uh, he actually made the statement that uh, we should preachers should preach with the gospel, with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, and we as Christians should listen with the scriptures and gospel behind us as a Christian and from a and a worldview. And I think, Neil, I think the the power of that is that we should just start, we should start. And we should start the conversation as to what does this mean for me as a Christian.
0: And even if you don't have all the answers, asking the question can be a powerful way to get people thinking about these sorts of issues. Correct. And so uh, let me point people to the website for Main Street Insights. And I uh, mentioned Dr. Lindsay McMillan, is co-founder of the think tank called Main Street Insights. Uh, Your other founder, of course, uh, Mark McCrindle, and so many listeners will recognise that name, uh, McCrindle Research, one of the primary uh, social research bodies in the nation. Mainstreetinsights.com.au And uh, I think when I checked your website a little earlier, this particular one was not quite up yet, but I'm sure it must be ready to upload there. But uh, mainstreaminsights.com.au, and uh, you'll be able to get a hold of the detail that we've been talking about today. And you'll be able to hear also the podcast of this conversation a little later this afternoon on vision.org.au. Lindsay, just wonderful getting your insights once again. Thanks so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with listeners today on 2020.
1: Thank you, Neil, and bless you all. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.